Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Count of Nehemiah. And you know, for those of you that have been here, you know what we've talked about. If you haven't been here, let me just catch you up real quick. We learned first week that that the Holy Spirit needs to move us beyond tears. A lot of us are great criers. We're just not very good workers. And, and we cry for people, but we never really take the steps and do anything. And Nehemiah teaches us that, yeah, you've got to be moved in your spirit, but you've got to take one step further and actually do something for the need that you see exposed, right? And so I've encouraged you, find a need and fill it this year. We talked about the fact that Nehemiah's account teaches us that God fulfills His Word. He's obligated to fulfill His Word. That's curses and blessings. We don't get out of the curses just because we prefer blessings. How we live dictates whether or not we access blessing over curses. Amen? Amen. I'd rather be blessed. Are you all awake this morning, right? I get to determine whether I get blessed or cursed by what I do and how I live. And we're trying to help you live a blessed life. We learned that Nehemiah was used because he was available. God uses people that are available. He doesn't always use the most skilled person, the most talented person. He uses the person that says, hey, I'll do whatever you need me to do, Father. And so I've challenged you to adjust your schedule, to lighten up so that God has room to work in your life. And also Nehemiah taught us, and we'll see it again today, that he had developed a new word here, prayer ability. He knew how to pray. He knew how to go before the Father. And so I challenge you the first week, we've got to learn to pray. We've got to spend some time developing a prayer life. Then last week we talked about this. I want you to become a control freak, right? I want you to learn to control your countenance. We show people God by how, what they see in our face. And if we always are downcast, then we have missed an opportunity to reveal to people God in us. In fact, I read to you out of Psalms, David said, Father, you are the health of my countenance. And so I just said, you know what? God needs to fix our face. Anybody been praying that God would fix your face this week? When you're looking at yeah, I want my countenance to reflect my Father and my King, amen? And so the second thing we said was not only should you control your countenance, you should control your conversation, right? Right? Anybody controlled their conversation this week? You could complain all week long and won't accomplish anything. We're much better off when we, t we talk to kings and the king. Right? There are people around you that God has positioned in your life that if you approach them and say, I'm struggling in this area, they can actually help you. Too many of us talk to people that can't do anything about our problems. And we settle for sympathy rather than going to the king who can make provision and protection. Right? So we got to control our conversation. Then we said this, you got to control the complaints. Right? You need to, you, you need to get, you got to get away from people that are constantly negative in your life. Anybody been in, in situations where the only people trying to talk to you were people that had complaints, right? And so we got to learn to control that and get away from those people because they will squash your dreams. So this morning, we're going to move forward. I, we were in Nehemiah chapter 2 last week. I'm going to skip over chapter 3, not because it's not important in fact. I believe we're going to come back to that later on. But basically, Nehemiah chapter 3 is a list of which group of people repaired which section of the wall and and just as a as a freebie this morning chapter 3 teaches us this each and every one of us have a responsibility to to repair the wall of God's protection and favor around your own home y'all get that 
Because if you read chapter 3, what happens is Nehemiah assigns people to repair the wall near their house. And so I am challenging you. This is not part of your notes. This is just free this morning. You are responsible for repairing the wall of God's favor and protection around your sphere of influence, your realm of influence, your home. You need to build the house, the wall around your home. Amen. And so we've all got a part to do. That's the other thing it teaches us is we all have a part. So I want to draw your attention to Nehemiah chapter 4 today. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to read bits and pieces. And I'm actually going to break it up in how we read it. But I want you to stay with me. Join me, if you will, in Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning in verses 1. And we're going to read down through verse 3. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit. And then we'll read the rest of what we're going to read today. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. It says this. Here, here's this guy again. When Sanballat, we, we talked about him last week. He was one of the complainers. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he exploded in anger, vilifying the Jews. In the company of his Samaritan cronies and military, he let loose. What are these miserable Jews doing? Do they think they can get everything back to normal overnight? Make building stones out of make-believe at his side. How many of you always know that if there's one complainer, there's usually another one, right? They, they kind of drawn together in this. At his side, Tobiah, the Ammonite, jumped in and said, that's right. What do they think they're building? Why, if, if a fox climbed that wall, it would fall to pieces under his weight. So there's some couple lessons I want to teach you very quickly out of this account. If you're going to be a wall warrior, which is what we're trying to train you and talk to you about doing in this series is learn how to rebuild the wall of favor and we rebuild the wall of relationship with God around your life. You've got to understand some things if you are going to be a wall warrior. The first thing that you need to understand is that warriors expect enemies. Well, y'all are quiet this morning. Y'all awake? Okay, hope you're listening. Hope you're listening. Warriors expect enemies. I want you to, to, to notice this. Nehemiah wasn't being bothered by any complainers, wasn't being bothered by any enemies when he was minding his own business. When, when Nehemiah was just living in the comfortable palace a thousand miles away, doing his daily duties without any concern about anybody else, there were no enemies in his life. Nobody was coming against him. No, nobody was resisting him. Nobody was trying to destroy him. But at the moment that Nehemiah rose up and said, I am going to do something about what I see happening in the land, and I'm going to make a change, and I'm going to fulfill God's purpose and plan for my life, at that moment... Enemies came out of the woodwork. I just came to remind you and teach you this morning that if you don't want the enemy messing with you, then don't do anything. I've said it like this for years. My dad taught me this. I'll, I'll probably stick on this uh, the rest of my life. Dogs don't bark at parked cars. Right? The enemy won't mess with you one bit as long as you're not doing anything and you're just minding your own business and living an apathetic and a pathetic life. But at the moment that you make up your mind that you're going to try to do something for the kingdom of God, at that moment, enemies will come out of the woodwork. I, I don't know what you've decided to do in your life. Maybe you've this year in 2012, you made up your mind that I'm going to turn my marriage around. My, I'm going to build a world-class marriage with my spouse. We've been struggling, but this is our year of triumph, and you decided I'm going 
going to go to work. Maybe you've decided this is the year we get out of debt. I'm going to adjust my finances and get control of my money, and I'm going to do something different. Maybe it's about your body. I've been in bad health, and I've been kind of lazy sitting on the couch too much and eating too many bonbons, and and I'm kind of putting, so I'm going to do something and adjust the way I live my physical life. How many of you know at the moment you make up your mind to do something, the devil wasn't messing with you, nobody was saying anything to you, no enemy was coming against you, but at the moment that you decide to change your marriage, at the moment you try to decide to change your finances, at the moment you try to wake up early and go to the gym, how many of you know at that moment enemies will show up? You've got to learn that if you are going to be a warrior, you need to expect enemies. Because if you don't expect them, then you will be shocked or you will be unprepared. So I want you to go on alert. I want you to understand that if you are going to fulfill a need this year, if you are going to see a need and fill it and solve it, then you might as well mark it down right now that enemies will show up and they will begin to rail against you. Because one of the, 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 the tactics of the enemy is that they will try to, to diminish you in your own sight. That's what they do. So they will belittle your dreams and they will, they will try to convince you that nothing can change. I, I just want you to understand also out of this, just a little side note. At the moment that you begin to change some things, especially in, in the area of relationships, at that moment, old enemies will resurface. Have you ever noticed that? Stuff you thought you had defeated. See, some of y'all ain't want to say amen because I'm talking about your marriage right now. At the moment you try to change what was going on, and I'm going to make a difference this year, old enemies will rise up. That's what happens in Nehemiah's life. I mean, you think about it, Samaritans and Ammonites. Have you ever heard of them before? It seems like they're, they're woven through the tapestry of Scripture. They keep showing up as enemies against the Jews, and now all of a sudden, here they are again. Causing problems. I just need you to understand, if you're going to do anything for Jesus this year, old enemies will resurface, and you need to expect that. Now, the second lesson that we need to understand is that warriors understand that their enemy will underestimate them. That's a, that's a powerful statement there. Nehemiah's enemies underestimated the ability of the people to build. That's what they're doing. They're ridiculing them saying, you can't do this. Are you crazy? Do you really think you can pull this off? In fact, Tobiah gets really bold and he says, look, if a fox jumped up on your wall, it would just fall down in total destruction. You, you are unable to do what you've decided you are going to do. I want you to know this morning that the enemy underestimates your, you. And here's the kicker. They, the enemy tries to get you to underestimate you. That, that's what the enemy does. That's, that's what happens in the Old Testament. You'll remember that the children of Israel send out spies into the promised land, and the spies come back, and they say, we are like grasshoppers, not in the sight of the giants that were in the land. You remember what they said? We were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Our perception of us gets attacked. The enemy will try to get you to underestimate the God that is in you. 
what happens. And so I just want to remind you, and I just want to tell you as a way of encouragement this morning, that your enemy is gifted at underestimating your strength. In fact, I want to say this to you this morning. If the enemy knew what the final outcome was going to be, when you set your face like flint, he wouldn't even mess with you now. But the reality is, is he underestimates your anointing. He underestimates your strength. He underestimates the God that lives inside of you. Otherwise, he wouldn't bother you. He underestimates your ability to rise up and win victories and find freedoms because he underestimates you. See, we need to encourage us in ourselves today. See, some of us have bought the lie of weakness that he has sold us. I need you to understand that that the view of the enemy that he has about your power is not a fact. It's fiction. The devil sells fiction for a living. He is a fiction writer. He'll he'll convince you, I can't make a change. He will convince you, I will never win. He will say to you that nothing is ever going to be accomplished. I'm too weak. I'm too unskilled. I'm too un... I don't have enough provision. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough uh, education. I, I can't do... It's too hard. He will sell you fiction. See, we just need to understand that that we've got to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us and, and go back and, and speak to ourselves in ways of encouragement like David did. Y'all remember the story of Ziglag? His entire family has been taken away from him by the enemy. And the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Some of us just need to get a proper view of ourselves in, through the eyes of Jesus and encourage ourselves in the Lord and say, nothing is impossible with my God. If God is for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper but I will rise up in the strength and the power of Jesus that resides in me and if the devil says I can't do it then this is what I have to learn he must know that I can do it and he's trying to tell me I can't because he doesn't want me to I need you to know this morning as you go into this new year as we are marching through this year when the enemies rise up against you and say you can't, you can't, you can't you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and say you don't understand who lives inside of me we can you've got to come back to our reality of who you are let my neighbors, let my family let my co-workers, let my classmates, let everybody around me underestimate what I can do when my mind is made up and Jesus is living on the inside of me and His power is operating in me. Underestimate me if you want to, but I declare that together with the power of the Holy Spirit working, I can do all things. I can do all things. What does all mean? All. Nothing is in, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You're not operating in your strength anyway. You're operating in His strength. We can do this. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6 through 9 says this, We kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart for the work. When Samballat, Tobiah, the, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, that's a great name, heard that the repairs of the wall of Jerusalem were going so well that the breaks in the wall were being fixed, they were absolutely furious. I just want to stop right there and say the enemy's going to get mad when you start rebuilding some things. You just need to know that. They put their heads together, and they decided to fight against Jerusalem and create as much trouble as they could. We countered. Listen to what he says. We countered 
Here's that prayer ability. We countered with prayer to our God and set a round-the-clock guard against them. Now listen to what he says, verses 13 through 14. So I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall and assigned people by families with their swords, lances, and bows. And after looking things over, I stood up and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and everyone else. Don't be afraid of them. Put your mind, minds on the master, great and awesome. And then fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Verse 19 through 21. Then I spoke to the nobles and the officials and everyone else. There's a lot of work going on, and we are all spread out all along the wall, separated from each other. When you hear the trumpet call, join us there. Our God will fight for us. And so we kept working. From the first light until the stars came out, half of us holding lances. I want to give you three, four key traits that every warrior must have. If you are going to win victory in your fight against your enemies this year, you have to have these four key traits. The, these four key elements of your life will determine whether you're victorious this year or not. So you need to write these down. Four things that, that this account teaches us that you've got to have. The first one is this. They, uh, a warrior knows their weaknesses and sets guards. That was good. I know y'all just staring at me like deer in headlights, but that was good. That's what Nehemiah did. The Bible says that Nehemiah went out and he assessed the wall and he, he discovered that there were some weak areas, some vulnerable places in their wall. And so he placed armed guards at their most vulnerable place in their wall. If we could ever learn this lesson. If we could ever learn this lesson, can I tell you, you will be more victorious this year than you've ever been in your entire life. If you would just apply this one key trait, you, you need all four, but if you would just do this one, it would change everything about your life. So, Oh, that we would learn to place guards in our areas of vulnerabilities. In other words, let me get very practical with you. If you struggle with lust, you should recognize your vulnerability there, and you should monitor your internet usage. And you should take care of what you watch on TV. Uh, Woody calls it bouncing eyes. You, you can't look too long, right? That, that's understanding our weaknesses and placing a guard there. I heard Dr. Beecham tell a story one time about he was on a plane and the guy opens up a magazine and it's pretty raunchy. And he's sitting there going, God, help me escape this. And God says, take your glasses off. Fixed it. Can't see it. Solved it. That's understanding your own weakness and doing and setting a guard against it. If your weakness is, man, I am a shopaholic, then cut your credit cards up. Don't go to the mall. I see it got real tight in here. I knew. I knew. I knew. Why do we continue to make our enemy's job easier than it ought to be? We must recognize every one of us have vulnerable areas of our lives and we are called to set a guard there and understand that as we do that, we are closer to victory. But you've got to know your own weaknesses. I, don't, I may never know your weaknesses. Your spouse may not even know your weaknesses, but you know your weakness. And you make it way too easy on the enemy if you don't recognize that weakness and do something about it. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, the writer there says, Look, I don't want you to be ignorant of the devil's devices. Grow up. 
figure out that there is an area of your life that the enemy constantly attacks and do something about it. How many of you have discovered in your own life that the enemy continues to attack you in one area? Yeah, over and over and over and over. See, some of you wouldn't even raise your hands because you don't even want to expose that you have a vulnerability. We all have an area of vulnerability. So we've got to know that. We've got to put lines of separation between us and our weakness to make it harder. And so that's the first key trait, that if you want to win victory this year, you are going to have to take self-assessment and say, this is my area of weakness, and I'm going to do something to make sure that the devil doesn't have a foothold in that area any longer, and I'm going to make it harder on him so that it's not so easy to defeat me. The second trait that you must have is, according to this account from Nehemiah, is you must have a heart to work. Nehemiah makes a powerful statement. He said, the people had a heart to work. Can I, can I spell victory for you? I, I just want to teach you how to spell victory this morning. W-O-R-K. It's a four-letter word. We don't like four-letter words. They're usually dirty. And most of us think that work is dirty. But I just want to tell you that most of the time, our victory, even in our spiritual life, is accomplished by putting our sleeves up and getting busy and doing work every day and becoming disciplined in our life every day. Marriage isn't easy. Relationships isn't easy. Getting out of debt is not easy. Gaining victory in your life is not easy. It requires a heart and a determination to actually work. We've got to get busy. See, I've discovered something favor ain't fair. But favor ain't free either. Most of the people that we would be jealous of, because I know we all deal with a little bit of jealousy, we see somebody and we think, man, I just don't understand why they're so blessed and I don't understand why God is blessing them so much. It seems like everything they touch is successful and everything that they do just turns to gold and there's favor on their life. What we fail to realize, I've discovered this, when you begin to dig a little bit, you discover that all these overnight successes, usually their trail is marked by a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. They've worked themselves into that, and they've discovered that as they apply themselves that God always, catch this is key, God always responds to diligence. If you don't believe that, go in the New Testament and read the story of the the servants who were given talents. Jesus doesn't like it when we're not willing to work. Oh, it's quiet in here this morning. I I just recognize this, the solemn, the the, the wisest man in the world, Solomon, encourages, encourages us to pattern our lives after the ant. Of all the creatures, pattern your life after the great and regal lion. No, that's not what he says because a lion is lazy. At least the male one is. Right? Y'all know that, right? It's not the male lion that hunts. It's the female lion that goes, kills everything, and then he walks in and eats. I kind of like that scenario, but that's not what he said. Thought he was wise. He doesn't say go be like the lion. He says be like the ant because the ant is willing to work. The the ant is willing to get up early in the morning and work all day long and put back and and save and scrimp and, and work. That's what he does. And he says pattern your life after the ant. Diligence. See what the truth is is that faith without works is dead. All the faith in the world hinges upon your willingness to get your hands dirty and do something about it. In fact, most of us, what we do is we, we spend most of our time trying to get more spiritual when the reality is, is that what most of us need to do is become more disciplined. 
That was good. Y'all, it just went right over you. I said, most of us want to spend most of our time praying, God, oh, make me more spiritual. Give me revival. Help me to love you more. And when most of us really just need to pray, God, make me more disciplined so that I will get in your word and that I will spend time with you and that I will apply myself and I will work. I just want to tell you this morning, we got to break the 80-20 rule around here. Y'all know that rule, right? 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. We got to break that thing around here. We got to have a group of people that are willing to work. I want you to come and sit and heal, but that isn't healthy for you or, or appropriate for us for you to come sit week and month and year after year and never do any work. You got to find a place and get busy and get involved and, and do something about the needs that you see in, or in and around you. That requires work. And if you're going to be victorious, you got to put your hand to the plow and do something about it. The third key element is this. You've got to have an ability to keep your mind on Christ. When faced with oppositions, when enemies were becoming very vocal and bold, Nehemiah declares that it is absolutely crucial for the people to put their minds on the master. I love the way that says that. Put your mind on the master, I want you to know that as we walk through all of this together, we're right in the middle of all kinds of transitions and changes and adjustments. And I understand that you're sitting next to people you don't know and you're bumping into people everywhere and, and you're wondering what all. Listen, while we're going through this, you've got to have this ability to keep your mind on the master. As you go through your individual life and you're bumping into heartache and you're bumping into trials and you're broken and you're in your pain and your sickness, you have to have this ability. If you're going to remain victorious, if the enemy can ever get your mind off of Jesus, he's basically got you beat. We've got to come to this place where as we walk through all the struggles and hardships of life, that we learn to keep our mind fixed on Jesus. Because why, why is that so important? Let me just say it like this out of Scripture. Your peace is determined by your ability to keep focused on Him. How many of you like peace? Man, I love to get up in the morning and there's peace in my spirit and I know everything's all right. You know how that's accomplished? By keeping your mind on Jesus. If you don't believe that, go read Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, which says this, Thou will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Thee. When I get my mind focused on Jesus and i that's all I'm thinking about, I, 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 I like basketball, but I'm not completely focused on basketball. I like to hunt, but I'm not completely focused on hunting. I like my wife, but I'm not even completely focused on her. Deep within my spirit, my mind is fixed on Jesus because I know she can let me down and deer might not show up and I might not win the basketball game, but Jesus never fails me. I keep my mind focused on my master. Peace floods my soul like a river. Well, not only that, your ability to keep fighting is determined by your ability to focus on Him. Some of you keep quitting in the middle of the fight because you've gotten your mind off our Master. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says we should look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Why? Because when we do that, it, He says, He goes on and He says, it brings hope into our heart that we can keep at this thing. Those that endure to the end shall be saved. As I focus on my Savior and what He went through and the pain that He endured for me, it gives me this, this, this spirit in me that I won't give up. I make up my, I'm resolute. I set my face like flint. I say, I won't quit fighting. If you're going to stay in the fight, you've got to get your mind on Jesus. I just need to tell you, if you get your mind on me, you'll quit. 
Well, if my pastor stays strong, then I can stay strong. You're in trouble because there are days I'm not very strong. Well, if my, if my husband will stay strong, what if he's not? If my idol, that, that person that I've placed on this pedestal, if they'll stay strong, what if they don't stay strong? What if they quit? What if they walk away? What if they throw in the towel? It will wreck your entire life. But if you keep your mind focused on the one who never fails and who never forsakes and never flees a fight, he will stay with us when everybody else turns tail and run, tucks tail and run. We can keep our mind focused on Jesus and we will will fight to the finish. I want you to know that as exciting as the times are around us in this ministry here at this church, I don't know if y'all are excited, I'm excited. Every week I walk in this place, I'm more, more excited. I, I just need you to know that there are moments when building walls gets old. Fighting for a parking place is going to get old. Bumping into people in the lobby trying to work. I went out in the lobby last week, and this is no joke. I wish I had a wall right here. There were people standing in the, up against the wall like this trying to let people get by. I want you to know that that gets old. And what we will do is if we get our mind focused on that kind of stuff, we will quit building. But if we will keep our mind on the plans and the heart and the purpose that Jesus has for us, we won't give up even if it inconveniences us. Ah, oh, that's good. It's where we are. We've got to focus on what God is doing. And then finally, the fourth thing, the fourth key element of our lives that we have to have in place. This is, this is one of the most powerful things I've come across in a long time. I want you to catch this. If you are going to win in this fight and build the wall around us that we need, then we have to have a willingness to fight for others. I said it like that way on purpose. We have to have a willingness to fight for others. Notice the instructions Nehemiah gives. Notice the order. He says, I'm calling you when you hear the alarm and, and there's a fight breaking out. I want you first to fight for your brothers. Then he says, fight for your sons, your daughters, and your home. But he starts by encouraging them to fight for each other first. We are assigned as a family to fight for other family members, too many of us have nobody that will fight for us because we have not gotten our own attention off of us long enough to actually fight for somebody else. And so when our fight comes into existence, nobody's there to fight for us because we haven't fought for anybody. I want you to understand that God is challenging us this year as a body to stand up and fight for one another. I know you got problems. I know you have situations. I know that there are hardships in your own life, and there are days you don't even know if you can fight for you. I understand all of that. You have a responsibility to fight for your family. You have a responsibility to fight for your sons and your daughters in your home. But first, I want to challenge you to fight. Follow the order that Nehemiah gives us. Fight for somebody else first. Because when we do that, everything changes for us. See, some of you need one of us to fight for you. You're too weak. You're too tired. You're too sick. You're too overwhelmed to fight right now. And I just came to tell somebody this morning good news. 
God has placed you right smack dab in the middle of a body that is willing to rally to the, the, the alarm and rally to the cry. And when we see you struggling and we see you going down for the last time, when we see your world about to spin out of control, God is placing you in relationship in this house with people that will respond and rise up and say, no, no, devil, you can't have them. They're not enough to, to fight. They're not strong enough right now to fight you off. But we will stand in the gap and I will take my place on the wall and I will refuse to let the enemy get you because the day is coming when I'm going to get up and go I can't do this anymore and somebody because I've responded to somebody else's needs somebody will go uh-uh you ain't getting my pastor I will stand in the gap for that's how it's supposed to work we are called to fight for one another when I see you drop in your guard I'm going to jump in and fight for you see there's so much happening around us right now this this whole account just spoke to me this the, over the last couple of weeks as we've been going through this and I've been looking ahead. This particular account speaks to me. There's so much going around or on around us corporately, individually. The, Nehemiah experienced that. He said, look, there's so much happening around us that we get separated. How many of you know that the enemy's, uh, one of his key tax, tactics is to separate and divide? Ever watch the Animal Channel and watch how lions hunt or, or hyenas hunt? They always find the weak one and they divide that weak one from the herd, right? Can I just tell you that the enemy is trying to do that to us right now? He will find the weakest link in our body and try to separate them. I, I'm just too hurt to go spend any time at church this week. And we're all sitting there going, that's ridiculous. When you're your weakest, you ought to want to get together. But instead, what we want to do is close the door, pull the covers over our head, get in the fetal position, say, I can't take it anymore, and nobody cares about me. And what Nehemiah teaches us is that we've got to come together. When the alarm is sounded, we don't run away from one another. We run together, and together we have this ability to fight off our enemy. That's why, sun oh, that's why Sunday morning is so important. When we come together on Sunday morning, it's the rally cry. that we're coming together, and we're getting stronger together. And I find out about your need on Sunday morning, and I'm standing in the gap for you the rest of the week. That can't happen. If we're not together. In fact, might I submit to you that that is the perfect example and the perfect picture of the New Testament church in Acts. I'll read it to you and then I'll be done. It says this, And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled the resources so that each person's need was met. That is the picture of what Jesus is calling us to as a body. That is one of the key traits for us as a body that we must fight for one another instead of fighting with one another, that we must protect one another's back. We must help each other build our wall. We must get together and call one another together and respond. When we see a need, we don't run away from it. We run to it. When I see you hurting, I respond so that when I'm hurting, You'll respond. Key traits. Key traits this morning. Recognize your weakness. Set guards. Develop a spirit and a heart that's willing to work. Keep your mind focused on Jesus and come to this place where you're willing to fight for somebody else so that when you're in need, somebody will fight for you. I want you to stand with me this morning. I, I've been seeking the mind of Christ on how we should close this morning. I think that 
I've got some concept of where we need to go. I want to pray over you, and then I'm going to make two calls for altar time this morning. The first is going to be a call for those of you that feel vulnerable. We all have vulnerable areas in our life, but some of you feel really exposed right now. You need to take stock of your own life and say, you know what? That's me. If I don't get this vulnerable place worked on, there's this window of opportunity the enemy has to come and destroy me. And I recognize that I come to this, we, we used to call it come to Jesus meetings where we come face to face with Christ and we expose what he already knows about. We tell him about our weakness because at the moment we do that, we set a guard. And then I also think that there are probably some folks under the sound of my voice that feel so worn out, so tired and so weak that they're not sure they can fight on their own. And you just need to let us know. Well, how are we going to know? We can't read your mind. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning to say, you know what? I am tired and I need somebody to fight for me. And as you become vulnerable in front of your family members, we will rush to fight for you. Father, this morning, I pray that you would break down any wall of pride. There are good walls and bad walls. And we recognize this morning that a wall of pride is a bad wall that, that we cannot be victorious in our life if we don't come to grips with who and what we are. So Father, this morning, if there are individuals here that have vulnerable places in their life, I pray that you would speak clearly to them, that they need to come to this place where they recognize it. They own their own vulnerable state and they recognize that they need help and that they need to change the way they do some things and set some guards. Help us to take the steps we need to take this morning to be free. Father, I also pray for those that would be here that would say, Steve, I'm exhausted. I, I, I've been strong before, but I'm not strong right now. In fact, I'm weak. I don't even know if I can fight anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm about to go under. I'm about to quit. I'm about to stop. I just don't know if I can fight anymore. And I desperately need someone to fight for me. I need people that God has assigned to be around me that will rally to my need. They'll wrap their arms around me, take care of me and love on me and pray for me and fight for me so that one day I can fight for them. God, I pray that you'd bring us to that place this morning. I pray that you'd give us folks that are willing to work and willing to keep their minds focused on you. In Jesus' name, if you're here and you'd say, Steve, I'm, I need to come to grips with my own vulnerable state and I have a weakness that I need to lay at the feet of Jesus and I need to set a guard in my life in a particular area would you just step out quickly and come to the altar and find a place to pray quickly we're not going to embarrass you I promise but I got an area of weakness that I need to overcome this year this is my year I want to be set free I don't want to fight this anymore but I recognize it's a weakness in my life and I've got to turn it over to him anyone else quickly that you need to come to that place in your life with him I need prayer today. I've got weakness. Maybe you're hearing you say, Steve, I recognize I'm in a battle and I'm exhausted and I need victory, but I also recognize that I'm not going to be able to win this by myself. i got to have some folks standing in the gap for me and I need some people to pray. If you feel that way today and you're, you, you just need somebody to fight for you, then would you just quickly step out and find a place to pray and we're going to have people come and pray for you. And then here in a moment, Pastor Danny's going to come and dismiss us, but, but, 
we've got to rally to one another's needs. God cannot heal what we hide. He cannot send people to us to help if we don't know. And you say, Steve, that's my issue. I am broken. I am destroyed. I am completely and totally worn out. And, and I don't want to quit, but I feel like I'm going to quit if I can't find somebody to just get with me and pray and to love on me. Is there anyone else? We don't want to quit too soon. Anybody else? I got to have some help. I got to have some help. Now, here's the key. key. Those of us that are strong right now have to respond. If you're strong, God has allowed you to be strong at this moment to, to, to be positioned to help somebody else. The Bible says that when the alarm would go up, they would rally. The, the alarm is being sounded right now. The alarm is going off right now. And in some of you, the alarm is going off right now. There are brothers and sisters in pain. I want you to step out. Obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. Find one of these people that God is leading you to right now to pray for. We're not going to take a long time, but we are going to spend some time. And I don't want you to get in a hurry. God is calling you as as a gap stander right now to rally for somebody else so that the day comes when you're weak. Somebody will rally for you. Maybe you don't feel released to walk down here. I want you to just stretch your hand this way right now. Everyone in the house, would you just reach out right now? Extend, extend a hand. Father, our brothers and sisters today, some have admitted that there's areas of vulnerability and weakness that they need to find strength in. I pray in Jesus' name right now you would strengthen that area, that they would become very aware of it, not so that they'll live in bondage or or. or or overcome with with guilt or shame but instead that what would happen is that as they recognize their weakness they would take the steps necessary to put guards in place they would take the practical steps and do the hard work of setting guards in place over their life if it's what they see, they change what they watch. If it's their spending habits, they'd set a budget. If it's if it's an addiction, they would get accountability partners that would walk them through to victory. God, I pray in Jesus' name, help us with our vulnerabilities and weak areas today. And Father, for those that came forward and said, I feel so weak right now that I feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the strength of the Holy Spirit would come into their lives right now and you would strengthen them so that they can walk and fight again. And Father, on their weakest day, they'll know that behind them there's a body praying, a body that's believing, a body that wants to respond. Father, we strengthen them. We encourage them in the name of the Lord. We raise up a standard against their enemy so that the enemy will have to flee. When they can't pray, we pray. When they can't shout, we'll shout. When they can't praise, we'll praise and sing for them. We refuse to let them go down without a fight we will rally to them because they're part of our body and part of our family so father right now i pray you would sear it in our minds and in our spirits those that responded out of weakness and over the course of this week i pray jesus i pray that you would wake us up in the middle of the night that you would remind us first thing in the morning throughout our day when we're about to go get a cup of coffee in the afternoon to keep us awake i pray at that moment that what would happen instead is your holy spirit would remind us of faces of individuals that came down for prayer today and we would stop right there where we are and we would build a wall and we would fight for them and we would lift them up and we would surround them with care and concern Father, you'd take us one step even further than that. We'd pick up the phone. We'd get on the internet and 
Facebook them and just simply say, I got you. I got you. I've been praying for you today. Encourage them. In the Lord. God, teach us how we can rally to one another. And Father, we'll praise you for it and give you glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, will you say this with me on the count of three? We're going to say, I'm a wall warrior. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm a wall warrior. Come on, say it one more time. One, two, three. I'm a wall warrior. I declare over you today, the enemy's not going to destroy us. If he knew what he was doing, he'd quit right now. But he's stupid. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 